stay low, go fast, kill first, die last. One shot, one kill, no luck, all skill. Hello, this is Risky Krisky, and you've stumbled upon my podcast. I'm also on YouTube, so go check that out. But if you like all things shit hits the fan, minute man, prepper, medical skills, and just pretty much anything Red Dawn type invasion, well, this is your place. Buckle up for safety, motherfucker, because we're about to go balls to the wall. Risky Krisky out. All right, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with John Chappie Chapman, one of my good friends, law enforcement uh, aficionado, author, and just all around really good guy. I know him over from Nightline Inc., the Night Vision sponsor. Speaking of which, if you guys are looking to help out the channel, um, go follow me over on YouTube, subscribe. I'm on Instagram, but by the time you hear this, I'll probably have had my account deleted and I'll have to sneak in under a different username. So hit up my website, riskykrisky.com. Go scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little icon. So that's where you can find me. Use the affiliate links and special codes that you see on the YouTube videos uh, to help out the channel. Also, if you want to become a channel member, that's five bucks. You'll get early access to everything. We're working on merch now, but other than that, you guys stay frosty and enjoy the episode. Hello, my name's Risky Krisky, and today we've got a doozy for you. Got a buddy of mine, John Chapman, we call him Chappie, on the podcast. Chappie, how are you doing today, brother? What's up, brother? It's awesome to talk to you this way, anyway. Yeah, it's wild. So, yeah. Chappie, I met him uh, <clears throat> through Nightline, but a lot of you guys might be more familiar with him if you search the Gunfighter series from BCM or Bravo Company on YouTube. Uh, that came out quite some time ago, and when a buddy of mine mentioned that was you, I was like, oh, it kind of like put me in my place. I was like, I, I know exactly who this guy is. You're an author, um, you're a law enforcement guy, and you're a trainer. Uh, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much a nutshell. Yeah, dude. Cool, you cover my bio. <laughs> <laughs> I hate talking about myself. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it, when you get out there and people yeah. want to just ask you questions about yourself like that? Yeah, it's like, right. I'm just a dude. Right. <laughs> well, we appreciate exactly. you stopping in today, and you've been a huge help. I know you've kind of given me a lot of insight into night vision and how that works behind the scenes and especially how that pertains to civilians in a way that I wasn't necessarily privy to before. And we appreciate you hooking everybody up, all the listeners and the people that follow the YouTube channel. They're familiar with the uh, the channel sponsor and the discount and everything. So check out the description below. But um, you guys are doing a great service. I, I really look at y'all trying to get nods into the armed prepared citizens hands um mm -hmm. like y'all taking that on that's a really really good and honorable thing i think you're doing y'all are doing well, I shit that. i just just like rambled and mumbled there for the all right, 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 right. <laughs> good lord it's all right i have to cut that um, leave it leave it i mean i'm not going to edit it who are we kidding i don't even know how to even get this thing <laughs> recorded to begin with no man i mean that was 
that was kind of the gist with Nightline. We've we've been around for a long, long, long time. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, doing government service and international service and wholesale service to or providing parts basically to the commercial uh, market uh, resellers uh, for a long, long time. And the there was two pieces to that that drew me to to go and kind of live with it with with you and with a couple other people it's uh it's very much it's turned into um a instagram entertainment kind of kind of deal where like i mean you've talked about this before don't if you're not an operator don't operate like it's uh i'm just a cop man and i what got me into night vision in the first place was there was nobody to teach how to use it so i kind of had to learn it myself and that grew into a um not a dick measuring contest but a dick measuring contest like teaching guys to do stuff kind of out of the gate that are way down the road and not teaching them the fundamental stuff which turns off the guys who need it the most. The the prepared citizen needs night vision and they've been chased out of the market a little bit with all the with all the cool guy stuff. So that's why I appreciate you and, and a couple of other people who are just normal, legit citizens who wanna wanna get the information in the right people's hands. Well, I think there's something to be said about accepting the reality of like Okay, we are not full-time soldiers. We're not uh-huh. such and such designation, but we mm-hmm. understand the reality of of how dangerous of a a point in time and place in history that we live mm-hmm. in, and yeah. the the potential for something of numerous uh, types to go down is is mm-hmm. more significant now than I think ever before in my entire life, and. Mm-hmm. Accepting that responsibility and saying, hey, I can project capability this way and I don't have to pretend, right? I can take the best things about this Navy SEAL operators class. I can take the best thing mm-hmm. out of this guy, this cop over here. I can take the best thing out of this security guards mm-hmm. video over here and I can combine that into something that works yeah. and it's different every neighborhood. It's different every town or county that you live in based on your region. So owning that and being able to be that guy next door that can step mm-hmm. up to the plate. And that's the, that kind of ties in, I think, to what we're talking about is what does that even look like? I mean, is it is it always a battle belt and a neighborhood protection detail or is it potentially having to feed some people who aren't as prepared mm-hmm. as you, but you have to accept them because you're a good person and they're your neighbor? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I know at right. some point you got to draw a line, but if we don't have yeah, to draw that line and we can fit everyone in, I think the good thing is to try to do that. Am I wrong there? Right. No, you're absolutely correct. And I think the reality of the situation that we're facing today already um, that is only multiplying is very localized and regional. If If there's a community emergency tomorrow, what are you capable of providing as an individual or as a group of people together, what are you capable of providing to that community today? Like, 
okay, so you guys can go patrol the woods. You know, if it's a wildfire that's burned a city down, uh, that's probably not very useful. But if you know how to set up a talk or if you know how to set up a kitchen or if you know how to repair equipment, like that's useful. Like the community can use that um, in, in addition to whatever security and and or law enforcement or area protection capabilities you possess. You know what I mean? Like. Those are fundamental skills that every team needs to know how to do. But what else can you do besides yeah. that? Southern Prepper One out of South, mm-hmm. I think he's out of South Carolina. He's a YouTuber. He mm-hmm. put it in a way that kind of hit home for me in a video. I think it was years ago. I mean, it's a long time ago. This guy's been around for a while. And um, yeah. it was like, you need to be, you need to have extras and be very well versed in your preps <clears throat> with things you touch with your hands every day. And mm-hmm. I thought about that. I'm like yep. toothbrushes, toilet paper, just like, but then it, he took it a step further and he's like, and maintenance on these things. So like doorknobs, my house, you know, the pipes mm-hmm. that put the water where they do, how am I getting that water? And then it just, it has such a more broad uh, life message for mm-hmm. SHTF in a broad spectrum. It's like, you don't have to have the cool guy skills alone. If it, it helps, right. if you have that, that is it's always mm-hmm. going to help, but if you know how to fix something around a house, if you if you know how to be a mechanic for vehicles or small engines, or you're a roofer, or you're good with electronic equipment, or you're you know you're a farmer, you're good outside, you landscape. Guess what? There, even if you know, guess if there's an EMP event or there's some serious thing, do you not think mm-hmm. there's going to be an abundance of people needing? branches and long grass out of their area so they can in, get into their house because they don't have right. gas anymore to mow their yard. They're going to need right. people to do things that we haven't even kind of gone in our mind to accept that those are possibilities. Mm-hmm. So you're if you can cut, if you can cut hair, if you're good with logistics, mm-hmm. right? Like if you used to be a right. manager at Walmart and know how to get in and out and are good with the people that work there, right? Like all of these mm-hmm. things combine to make you better. Right. Absolutely. And it's the subconscious things that you know that you, or you don't know that you know. But especially if you have a team, if you built a mag or a or a Navy SEAL Delta Ninja LERP LARPing team or whatever you're doing, like have capabilities beyond patrolling and area security or reconnaissance and surveillance or whatever. Have have useful capabilities as a team. Like build a talk and pack it up and put it in a storage compartment. And, you know, we had a a very large flood here a couple of years ago and killed a bunch of people. And it was a, it was a pretty, pretty horrific event. And we had citizens from all over the County coming out who just knew how to do stuff like you talked about. And we, we got everybody a place to sleep. We got food cooked. We got, all of that stuff was done, but what if it had been a EMP and we need to, to build a talk to shut off all the bridges or to create a, a green zone or, you know, there's thousands of set up a, a local phone network uh, from scratch. Like that capability still exists somewhere. There are people who know how to do that, but do they have the core competency equipment that they need to to get that done that maybe that's what you think your local community that your mag 
services will need. You know what I mean? Like once you're able to take care of yourself and your family and your mag's family, look for capabilities beyond that bubble. You know what I mean? I think a lot about people who might feel down in the dumps about it and like, I don't have any of these skills or anything. I might have an mm-hmm. office job or I might be a manager mm-hmm. at Wendy's and have no life skill. And it's like, if that's you, there's a still a lot of options on the table. And what is that? Oh, yeah. What does that equal? Humbling yourself to say, I will do whatever you need. You need me to do work. Mm-hmm. You need a helping hand. I'll do whatever you need me to go fix that mm-hmm. fence over there. You need like, I don't even have to be the main guy, but you're going to need a guy to carry materials, right? Just right. being and, and being humble about it and saying, I'll work my mm-hmm. ass off since I don't know anything else. If it happens tomorrow, right? Start there. Right. That's not a bad way to right. approach all of this. Exactly. Exactly. And especially if you're by yourself, if you haven't developed a network yet or for whatever reason, you don't have the ability to develop a network for preparedness and and mutual defense, then at least think through how you're going to how you're going to prepare your mind to do whatever needs to be done. Like you said, like I need to go help and they need somebody to pull material off this collapsed house and separate it so we can reuse it or or whatever like okay uh, i'm down with that whatever whatever you need done i'll do that that's the spirit that that's the spirit but that's the spirit that we need uh in our community especially and by by that i mean the preparedness and self-defense community and cops too and people are gonna have to look at this from a leveraging standpoint because if Mm -hmm. you don't have these networks set up now and you're relying mm-hmm. on how you fit in with other people after it happens and you're unsure because you don't know, right? right? Uh, you need right. to understand what leverage you have and what leverage people will have over you. Do you have food? Do you have a family? You know, what, mm-hmm. what's going on? And understand as well, having that family, that works both ways. So it's, it, mm-hmm. it makes it more difficult for, let's say, you to bug out if you have elderly people or small children or for you to go and leave them if you don't have somebody to keep them safe while you're gone. However, right. other people are going to have that problem too. So if right. somebody knows that your family is with my family, well, then now I I got leverage over you. You got leverage over me while we're out doing what we have to, right? We have a vested mm-hmm. interest together. It's like this guy's not right. going to screw us over. His family's back there, right? right. So thinking about things – not necessarily in negotiations, but just like, what really do I have a value? What do they need? What can I realistically provide? And mm-hmm. even if it's something small, bringing that to, to attention and having some things maybe set back, like let's say you are that Wendy's manager. Well, mm-hmm. by golly, if you had some extra stuff and ways to mm-hmm. cook for a lot of people and you could have your whole neighborhood come through a line, like you're some eating mermites in the army, Right. And they just right. have eggs and crap and you just go through a line right. and you get it like that. That's going to make somebody's life easier that day. People will remember mm-hmm. that if you can do that yeah. here and there, you're going to have a place in that community. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely agree. And it goes to a larger philosophical thought I've had for a long time. And for especially for preparedness people and, and small preparedness communities. It, if you want to make stuff worse, turtle and ignore everybody else. Like, 
the the thing to do is, in my opinion, having managed uh, in a IC capacity a bunch of natural disasters and some man-made disasters. Can you explain IC for for the people who don't know what you're talking about? Uh, incident commander. I'm I'm a in addition to the SWAT stuff I do and training and firearms. I have a whole other training side of my life in emergency management. So um, I I got lucky to get a lot of training fairly early and some unintentional experience in in managing responses to to incidents. So, so basically, if there's a very large scale incident, let's say, for example, a shooting, an active shooting, mm-hmm. and you're there, you could assume command over all units there effectively. Yeah. And they yeah. have trust that, that you have a certification verifying you know what you're doing. Yes. That or like the flood that happened here, that happened, it's happened in fires and, it, you know, it, it's it's basically a, a skeleton that you can build on necessary capabilities to uh, as the incident evolves. Understanding liaisons and things like that. Right. Yeah. Right. And how to, how to get resources quickly. Um, and, and a lot of the resources that, that I look for are citizens driving by or they pull into the parking lot and you guys need anything. Can I go to the, go to Wendy's and grab you something and bring it back? And, and say, no, I need you to stand here and check these people in. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. like a small example, but it's that kind of thing. Uh, and in any large disaster, 85 to 90% of the manpower needed are people who don't work for the government. Like if, if everybody sits around with their thumb in their ass waiting for the government to save them, we're screwed. You know what I mean? So I have like, – um, uh, we talked about it a little bit, and it's it's one of the things that really – confirmed i like where you're coming from and your your methodology and your your philosophy of how you approach this stuff is you wanted to come up with a better way of maybe i don't know if a manual is the right way to put it but like um mm-hmm. order of operations for people a, mm-hmm. a handbook or something that they could refer to and say okay here's how we approach this whether without right. traditional command structures and without people mm-hmm. telling us like they normally would in the past right and right. when i when i consider the average person um they're not really they don't even understand the bases or the basics of logistical and organizational structure in these events. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we all hate, but it's like, it's, it's one of the reasons some of my videos that I think are, I don't want to say stupid, but like really obvious do better. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I overlooked that, but it's a foundational right. issue that people have to understand in order for all this other stuff to make sense. Like the rifle team, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. The ICS command structure is huge. Mm-hmm. So one thing that sucks, and I've taken these courses multiple times for many reasons is like the cert mm-hmm. the community emergency response right. team crap so right. that that's the formal way to do it you don't have to it's kind of a joke mm-hmm. you do it through like community colleges and things like that right. for free but yeah. you can go online and if you just look up nims or ics mm-hmm. uh like yeah. basic structures and watch a few videos they're mind numbing but you'll take away the oh, same yeah. things you'll understand mm-hmm who has to be on scene, why you have another chief or operations mm-hmm. officer here versus mm-hmm. over here and what that actually means. And then right. it'll start to paint a picture of how this response comes together 
And that's mimicked right. across FEMA. It's mimicked across all federal agencies. Mm-hmm. Well, and all state and local agencies too. Everybody yes. wants to, and rightfully so. They want to, they want to dick down the federal government. I get it. Like I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. But frankly, in a in an emergency, the feds are the last ones to show up, and they they generally have very little to contribute other than resources uh, in a large scale event, even if it's localized. But imagine that this type of local incident is happening in the entire southeast of the United States. FEMA is not going to provide anything, right? It's volunteer but, organizations and people right. locally donating stuff mm-hmm. immediately. Exactly. And <clears throat> those people with the with the mental horsepower to say, I'm standing in a group of people in the parking lot at Walmart and we're surrounded by, you know, whatever, wildfire, flood, whatever it is. How do I get these people organized? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it's that simple. Like just yelling out, all right, this is the command post. I need somebody to start figuring out who's got what skills. And I need somebody to figure out what's going on down the street. Just rolling out a, a S1, S2, S3, S4 kind of organization on the fly. You know what I mean? So that's a good There's, one. You have, you're going to have to cover that again too. So that mm-hmm. the S1, S2, S3, S4. So a lot of people, right. you hear this, for example, S2 Underground, right? That's a mm-hmm. channel where most of us are familiar with. What even is right. S2? These are S shops in the military right. organization. Is it mimicked mm-hmm. in the law enforcement, or are you just using that as a no. reference? I use it as a reference. I use it uh, in actual emergencies. Uh, it's not the NIMS standard, but the NIMS standard is flexible enough for you to do what you are most comfortable doing as an incident commander. It, it's all the same jobs being required. So like the S1 is personnel. So if if I've got a group of people who are here to help, I I the first thing I need to do is identify who I have available and what they can do, what equipment they have with them, uh, what skills they have. Is it a banker who can help fill sandbags or is it a heavy equipment operator who, oh, by the way, has his tractor on his flatbed. He was going to drop off to a buddy. Like, I need to be able to sort that information out. And that's why it's the S1. It's it's the foundational organizational uh, resources available to a unit or a response or a military department or a, a law enforcement department, et cetera. Is the best way for me, anyway, to think about it is as an S1. And then the S2 is intel and information. So in a, in a natural disaster, S2 is figuring out how, what's our actual flood area? What's, what houses do we have down? Like what, <clears throat> what infrastructure is down? Do the radios work, which they usually don't in a flood or you know, how many houses are on fire? And then S3 is operations. So I know that I need a group of people. I need a team to go look for victims. So I need a team leader and five volunteers. So um, the S3 would figure out who's the most capable person to do this task safely. Go find four people, come back to me, tell me who they are. And then this is the area I want you to go to. 
and you know hand draw them a strip map or give them a map or show them on ATAC or whatever. And S4 is logistics. So I need a pallet of bottled water and you know 200 heater meals figured out. You know, so anyway, that's the S system. And the military has done it the longest. And it's the most easy for people to instinctually understand, in my experience. Uh, the NIM system is good, but it requires too much explanation to somebody who is standing in front of you with what they have on and they've never been through any training. Yes. So I, I would say having experienced both systems um, extensively, mm-hmm. The right. the main reason, right, and if you're listening to this, this will help you in a, in multiple aspects of preparedness, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's tactical, disaster, any number of other ones, right? Like just right. it's there's not enough time for one person to do as many tasks and organize as many things and resources to fulfill the intent of the commander incident commander Mm -hmm. i see right so they delegate certain things within a span of control of a Mm -hmm. certain group of people underneath them that they one person can control three to five right so in that group and then those people span out in their perspective duties and fulfill their role in the commander's intent intent so that the commander can be focused on changing aspects of what's going on and and continue to make sound decisions so mm-hmm. that how that pertains to the military you got a bunch of guys in an infantry battalion you know alpha bravo charlie delta echo companies mm-hmm. and then you got the battalion who's in the battalion well the commander is the big mm-hmm. you know dog the sergeant major you got the scout platoon the, the battalion mm-hmm. mortars or heavy weapons and then you got the s shops right so you have yeah. those people who either are grunts and let's say they do a desk job for one reason or the other or they're mm-hmm. specific paper pushers assigned to these units mm-hmm. for that specific role. So you go to the S shop to do what? To get, uh, I don't know, recon information for a, a mission that's mm-hmm. going to be pushed out and you have all the resources at hand to do so. So the average, mm-hmm. like you said, average person, that's too much shit for them. You just need to mm-hmm. understand if I'm in control or that one guy's in control, what does he need us to do, our section? Do we right. have accountability? Are we fulfilling that need. So once you understand the right. hierarchical hierarchical uh, structure mm-hmm. of all this, nailed it. It will let things kind of fall into place a little bit better. So you don't have to sit there and second mm-hmm. guess why are they doing that. It's like there's probably mm-hmm. a good reason, even if it doesn't make sense at the time, as long right. as they're following what they're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. And the reason I like the S shop system for disasters, especially, but but in extremist large incidents of any kind is I don't, let's say it's a, a law enforcement problem that starts to degrade. It's a large riot or uh, uh, civil uh, discord situation. I, I don't have to explain to a cop what an S2 is. What I can do using the S shop system is say, see that bald guy in a yellow shirt? That's the guy who's going to tell you what's going on in the area and specifically where I'm trying to send you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a much easier thing for the people who are running the incident or trying to coordinate the chaos. It It's 90% for us to use so that 
we know where to send resources to the right shop and we know where to send assets and resources to get tasked out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's where it's really valuable to understand that. And any citizen can learn about an S shop organization by there's probably a thousand ROTC videos about the S staff system, right? And they it's can not at least sexy. have the basic. Right. It is not. It is boring AF, but it's a basic understanding you can get. If you go, if you go through formal NIMS training, you'll get basically the same information. It'll have lots of names and acronyms and shit that's hard to track. Uh, that's why I, I truly prefer the S shop system. And also in any group of 25 people, I'm going to have two or three veterans. So, and it doesn't matter how long ago they were in the army. If I say, I need you to be the S6, I see that you're, you got a boofang radio on you. You're the comms guy and he'll know exactly what I'm saying. You know what I mean? The best part is if you're listening to this, you now understand both the uh, well, not citizen, the civilian aspect as far as law enforcement and emergency response mm-hmm. versus the S shop military system. So combining those, you can say, Oh, this right. guy's a first responder. He understands right. this organiza- organizational structure as well in these other terms. Mm-hmm. So he's going to respond. Or if he right. says this, I-, I can equate that to this military guy over mm-hmm. here. Right. Cause not, right. and let's, cause let's be real. Not every first responder knows the S shop. Not every uh, military no. guy is going to know what the NIMS process is. But if you're listening right. to this, you know, how great would it be if you're like, Oh no, he means this. And they're like, Oh yeah, you can translate. And you save the day. Cause yeah, exactly. And you're, you're literally speaking the same words in a different language. Yeah. Right. So the ops chief in NIMS is the S3 in, in a S shop, for instance. Like all, all you need to understand is that simple piece, right? And you can help build the pars for your incident commander. You know what I mean? You can you can help him establish the pars system he's trying to get going. Whatever he calls it, it's pars. So, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. a, a basic understanding of that is an individual assaulter skill, as far as I'm concerned. Like I, every SWAT guy we teach the S shop system and uh the NIMS system together right because part of basic SWAT school isn't just kicking doors down and shooting dogs right (laughs) that was for the that was for the folks listening who don't like cops but (laughs) I wasn't expecting that one with the dogs (laughs) (laughs) I get asked that all the time we didn't even mention the ATF yet yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so um yeah anyway uh, I could talk for hours about sheriffs versus police, but anyway, um, it, under having a basic understanding of how those processes work amongst professionals will really make you value added when you show up at an incident, whether you show up with a 10 man mag team, uh, which in our last flood, we had a mag show up from Mississippi. Like they got together, they prayed about it and they thought that they felt compelled to come up and they were on the ground within seven hours of our flood we didn't even have the national guard here yet and we had a mag here to help from 300 miles away that's the thing i don't i don't think a lot of people sorry about that no go ahead that's the thing a lot of people don't realize is they're going to say or i can i can picture them saying 
how are you going to help? You know, you're just showing up with all these emergency responders and things there. This stuff, it, it happens quickly. It starts quickly. Mm-hmm. And it takes a long time for sustained operations to begin. Mm-hmm. So yep. if you are there, if it happens in your town, even if it's five miles away and you realize mm-hmm. this is serious, I have skills or I own a business, I can provide this resource. Should I go over mm-hmm. there? Uh, the answer is probably the answer go check is it yes. out. Yeah, go check yeah. it out because it's going to be a long time before those real state and then federal assets come in, if federal assets come in at all. And right. I mean, it t- these things take a long – if it's a real serious event like a wildfire or a flood, mm-hmm. this is going to be going on for days, days and days, yeah. if not weeks. So, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're in the area, if it's convenient for you or if you're, you're toying with the idea, as long as you provide something of value, what's the worst that happens? They right. say no? Well, they're not going to say no is the thing. We get people show up on incidents. This happened a lot when I worked in, in California. People would show up to the command post and like look at their feet and kick a rock and you know i don't know if there's anything i could possibly do and you know they end up running shit because they're there to work like that's all we need is, is people who yeah. are there to here's work. a radio set up and, the cafeteria tent right and then yeah, they have exactly. next thing you know they have a golf cart and they're bringing people right. in and out and then they come and exactly. they help volunteer in that region every year for event and that's mm-hmm. how people get in yeah you are right that's a good point exactly good pointing it out yeah. exactly they you know, we need people, it, no matter what the incident is. So this last one I worked, I was the IC for about 60 days. So that was, you know, 18 hours a day for, for that. It, this one, we had control of it locally, even though it was a federal national disaster. Um, they never came and took it away, which was good because we could continue to, to work it. But a large, especially wildfires, the fire service will will quickly kick the citizens out of the command post. But that's like four or five days in. Until then, nothing's gonna work unless we have that support. And by we, I mean the, the community, not not the government, right? Yeah. Like, show up to help if you can. And especially if you got a team of dudes, like, I mean, it's going to take no less than six hours for a regional team to come in. If you live in, you know, two hours outside of the biggest city Mm -hmm. in your state, their local USAR or response team, Mm -hmm. depending on what's going on, it's going to take them six hours to get there because they're going to have to load up a trailer, call people in, get reserves at the station, everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and and again, referring to ours because it's the freshest in my mind, we didn't have a USAR, a certified USAR on scene for three days. Like everything up until then was, and I love where I live. Like it's, it's rural. So I got lots of hillbillies to draw on to get, to get help Mm -hmm. and they can do anything. You know what I mean? So they were riding around on boats, rescuing people out of the middle of what used to be a street, but now it's a rapid river, you know? And yes, the, the government provides for emergency response but all of those processes take time and when they show up they work for 12 hours and then they have to sleep well who's going to cover down while they're sleeping you know what i mean it's either not going to get done or or citizens are going to do it so using that mindset to not only just be ready to go and, and respond but if you have a team already why not identify likely contingencies in your area 
And if everybody or the guys on your team have checked, like your family squared away, everybody's in your family is safe. You don't need to rescue them. Do you need to rescue anybody on your street? No. Okay. Well then where's the command post and what are we prepared to do? What capabilities have we developed ahead of time? Like we live on a river. So as a team, we practice, we, we got some training other than standing on the square range and shooting little holes with, you know, cotton ball clouds across and possibly blue skies, you know, shooting hostage rescue shots for 10 hours. We went out and made sure everybody could swim and we made sure that everybody owned a life jacket and everybody knew how to tie some basic knots so that we could do a slow water rescue. You know what I mean? Like what capabilities can you develop within your team that, that will help in an emergency? That's right. That's right. And another thing that's, I, I think people overlook, like, um, if you, unless you specifically live inside of a large city limit, most of the mm -hmm. time there's going to be volunteer fire stations or, and yep. or volunteer rescue squads. So these things mm -hmm. are different and it depends on what state and everything, but you right. can go to these places and get trained for free. Mm -hmm. And let me be very oh, yeah. clear. You can be out of shape not mm -hmm. be able to probably shouldn't go into a fire and they will still take yes. you and start training you and you will be mm -hmm. able to go and see incidents, not because you should go and just be a creep and, you know, watch people's mm -hmm. houses burn down. But if you, it, <laughs> being exposed to that a couple of times or, you know, let's say somebody coding and having to do CPR on them mm -hmm. or responding to a car accident with somebody ejected, something like mm -hmm. that as a guy off the street, you can do that, you know, three weeks later after you apply mm -hmm. for it. And then you yep. have interactions with local law enforcement, local first responders, mm -hmm. they start to see you. Then it's not weird, right? Then you have a leg up on oh. everyone else. You have a step in with communication, but more importantly, it's not going to be the first time you've had that flight or fight or fight or flight response, oh, or yeah. it's not gonna be the first time you've seen a dead body or something gruesome, mm -hmm. right? It sounds gross, right. but it's, if I were to, I'm trying to help people here, I would say get that out right. of the way now if you can in a way that helps your community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And non-Dexter activities. Right, right. Yeah. If we catch you rubbing one out next to a house <laughs> fire, we're going to yeah. have other problems. Yeah, I'm but, looking at you, Stuart. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Peter. Um, <laughs> but, but the other thing well, there's a multitude of reasons you should be doing that. Uh, if you're a, an American citizen, you have a responsibility. This, the Second Amendment is a right, but it's as much about the responsibility. And you've taken the responsibility on yourself to be prepared to respond to a tactical problem. You should also, there, there's a lot more to it than shooting. That You should also feel a responsibility to help the community with a medical problem or a fire or a car crash that you happen to be driving by. And the place to get that training for free, oh, and by the way, you get to network with every public safety person in your county because they all want you there. Trust me, they do. They, they never have enough volunteers. They need help. They need help. And you're going to get a radio that actually works that you don't just have to listen to the weather on every mm -hmm. volunteer firefighter in my county is issued a county radio like yep. you want to get a hold of somebody in an emergency that's the radio to use 
You'll I also mean, be given priority cell phone service depending on mm -hmm. who you use, where you have access to different cell networks in case some go yep. down as a first responder. So people don't yep. consider that. Yep, absolutely. Your phone number's in the system as a first responder. Yeah. So it's it's just an all-around win-win-win. It's a win for the community. It's a win for you personally, and it's a win for whatever team that you're trying to build. And you'd be surprised the number of cops that you'll run into who, well, there's not a huge number of cops that like to shoot because most cops are cops because the fire department wasn't hiring. But anyway. It's fine. It's kind of a it, funny joke, but that's honestly, I found that to be that's somewhat the truth. <laughs> it's weird. That's the truth. Yeah. But so you'll find the cops. Yeah. You'll find the cops who are squared away and want to shoot and want to get to know people. And those are going to be some of your best friends, like yeah. legit friends. And, yes. and now, again, you know, people in the in the local governmental system, like all government is local, like people bitch about the news and all that. And that's why I, I hate politicians, too. But where government hits the road is in your county. And the more of those folks, you know, the better. And whether people you know like I mean? it or not, there will be government after, even if it's people mm -hmm. that rebuild it. And but they will look yeah. to certain people trusted within the government when things exactly. crumble. So it, whether we like it or not, it will behoove you to know certain mm -hmm. players in your own community. And more importantly, absolutely the case. I think it's it's um, irresponsible if you like, let's say you're just a, a run of the mill guy. You're not a cop. You're not a mm -hmm. fireman. Nothing for you to learn and have your concealed carry or be into guns and all this and also not be actively either helping your community or learning how to mm -hmm. help and save people. And you're only right. looking into defensive, offensive tasks that like think about the I don't like saying karma. I don't necessarily believe in karma, but just to put it so everyone understands, what are you doing by that? By only learning how to take life and hurt like you have to also recoup and prevent injuries and save people and look out for your fellow American. And yeah, absolutely. And you're far more likely as a Minuteman to have a Minuteman call out, quote unquote, which I think is actually a thing but if if somebody needs help as a as an organized team that's probably not it could be and it probably will be at some point but the percentages of those that are gunfights are tiny compared to the percentage of those that are the cell phones are down there's no power but we got word that billy bob's son turned the tractor over and he's stuck under the tractor and we need some help like, of it'd be nice going for that. It'd be nice know, if but, there were some guys in the local area that maybe monitored the local repeater, up kept mm -hmm. it so that it, it wouldn't yeah. run out of juice if the, you know, the power went down right. and they had access to it. And everyone kind of knew if I can pop on the local repeater, somebody's mm -hmm. going to hear me. Right. So exactly. You could be that guy. It's literally mm -hmm. as simple as having access to a radio and listening and monitoring and knowing people in your community. It's that simple. It is, and that's a great capability for a team to possess. You know what I mean? It's a low effort thing. It's not. You don't have to be to do something like that. Young and athletic. You don't have to be a, an able-bodied right. male to listen and to monitor and relay information that's critical mm -hmm. and not waste people's time with bullcrap. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a great capability for someone to identify that they can actually help with. You know, if you're not young enough or in shape enough to to go respond to a tactical incident or go respond to a car crash or respond to a, a fire. Uh, 
if you think fires are bad now or, or fires can devastate a family, imagine the devastation that will occur to an entire, entire street of families if there's no power. Yeah. Like somebody's got to fight that fire or even more people are going to die than in a normal circumstance. Families yep. lose everything every day in rural areas, especially from fire. That, that's just going to magnify if there's any hiccup to the to the the organized rule of law that we live in right now. I mean, we know these, that we're skidding into the second world, but we're headed for the third world. Like, these horrific like fires that killed hundreds and hundreds of people in the nineteenth mm-hmm. or in the twenty early twentieth century, those right. have stopped significantly because of our level of communication and ability to get mm-hmm. places because of engines, combustible engines. So we take those potential two things out of the mix, let's say diesel fuel Mm -hmm. and an EMP or a cyber attack that cuts all everything back to diesel generators and how much diesel we got, right? So let's Mm -hmm. just take that one example. One of those fires in in an apartment complex, in a condominium, in anywhere where you have a a quarter acre lot, right? All the houses Mm -hmm. are going to catch fire, every single one of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially with no water pressure. Especially, That's I mean, the biggest problem. I, I could also throw in my conspiracy thought and just say, what happens when they, they start them all from their cool satellite laser fire starter thing? I don't know. <laughs> the globalists are up to no good. I can smell it. Right. I can smell it. I can smell it. Can't prove it, yeah, but I, I think they are. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> a reason I'm a local cop and not a fed, right? But anyway, um, I, I guess what I'd the core of what I'd encourage people to do, especially if they are forming or have a small network of friends that could be described as a team is identify these capabilities that you'd like to possess now and start building them. Like it doesn't mean everybody that we're talking to today has to go be a volunteer firefighter. That's not what Chrisky's saying. Like find something like that, that is available for you to participate in and learn those skills and do those things and get those life experiences before it happens. I mean, I, I don't know how many dead babies I've had to manage, but it's I've done it a lot, unfortunately, in my 32 years as a cop, and it doesn't get any easier. The first time I did it, if I hadn't had a mentor there to do it, it would have been a shit show and worse for the family who got affected. So how about you take the opportunity of first world conditions we have now to get those types of experiences so that you can be a mentor to somebody who has never touched a dead body or put out a fire or cooked, you know, hot dogs on a campfire for a hundred people. You know what I mean? Like whatever the the skill is, I guess that's kind of the core of the encouragement I'd like to make to people. You could do something as simple as going on a few ride-alongs with whatever mm-hmm. local jurisdiction having authority over a law enforcement right. agency in your area, right? Like you, you right. something as simple as that to uh, – what was the other one I was thinking of? Um, oh, shit. I forgot. I lost my train of thought. Either way, going out – Yeah, the, the method. The dog <laughs> man. I'm transforming into the dog man as well, we speak. Here's, here's a thought I had. If, if you keep hearing the dog man – and I see it on your videos, but you can't find them. It's like being in a meeting where you think, God, it's kind of a nice meeting. There's no assholes here. That means it's you. Yes. Like, I am if the you dog can't man. find the, 
if you can't find the dog man, it means it's you. <laughs> I am the meth head fed tweaker dog man cryptid. Right, right. Interesting. Cryptid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. Uh, so, I, I thought I, it was going somewhere with that with the, uh, the ride along. There was another one that I thought that was pretty simple. Um, just getting out of your comforts. Oh, I know what it is. Go to good. Like you can go as simple as something as simple as going to your local goodwill and they will mm -hmm. pay for you to get base level certifications mm -hmm. of like helping yep. elderly people or like being a nurse's assistant or something like that. Right. And those they skills, will. while not sexy, could be free to you, and those would be infinitely helpful to people because mm -hmm. everyone will have individuals that need assisted care uh, to a right. certain degree or another. Right. Well, and that's just going to get worse as our society collapses in slow motion. Yes. Like we have it now in our county already. We have uh, we have a, we skew fairly elderly as a population, and we have families here who all of their children have passed away. They're 80 or 90 years old, and they can't get delivery of oxygen. And and we have to, we don't have to, we get to serve them by, like, identifying other people with oxygen tanks that we can shuttle around the county and, and give them oxygen for eight or nine hours a day. You know what I mean? It's stuff as simple as that, that, that is going, either needs or is going to need service, um, or you're going to... I mean, you haven't killed these people, but you haven't helped them live either. You know what I mean? Right. It, it, there's thousands of things like that in every community, no matter how big or small. And and those are the things that I'd like to encourage people to think about. The more yeah. we, the closer we get to this event, whatever it is, or, or series of mm -hmm. events, the more it hits home. And like, I don't want the guilt of not helping mm -hmm. or not putting preparations in place or at least war gaming it in my mind mm -hmm. as to how I'm going right. to deal with it. Um, because right. knowing what I know now, what if I'm right? What if we're right about all this? The, the mm -hmm. guilt, the, the level of thought of we should have tried harder or we could have helped these right. people. Um, I think all of us are going to feel that to some degree. So in oh, order yeah. to lessen that stress, because I mean, imagine how stressful oh, it would yeah. be in general. Mm -hmm. um, let's right. get ahead of that curve. If there's something you can think of, just, if nothing else, put it to pen to paper and make note mm -hmm. of it for, to reference later if it happens so you don't mm -hmm. forget about it. Right, right. And spend your, I mean, enjoy, you enjoy shooting, you and doing, doing, you enjoy doing tactics, going to classes, keep doing that stuff. We're not, neither one of us, I think, are saying you're a dumbass because you're practicing tactics or fundamental marksmanship skills i think quite the opposite that's a basic skill of being a man that everybody should have but yes. also don't pigeonhole yourself in a functionally useless skill set 90 percent of the time like find other things that you can do and train yourself to do and get experience doing I, even if you live in a large city if there is a volunteer organization within walking distance of your house that helps the public in some way that you could get involved in tomorrow. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And over time, a lot of these places will be given protection by governments when, mm -hmm. if they can continue to protect or at minimum, once they rebuild. So it's not like you're expected mm -hmm. to go and just when SHCF happens, stick with these 
volunteer organizations, quite the opposite. Right. It is another tool in your toolbox of saying we can go here right. or we can use this to help more people or this is a spot that we can operate out of or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a right. there's a multitude of positives to just putting uh-huh. yourself out there and gaining more skills. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the so I hate radio fuds like I'm someday I'm going to dig a ditch. But anyway, I got involved in the in the ham radio world locally so that I could identify those guys because they're all good dudes generally, generally, generally um, the ones here. Um, But also the amount of information I was able to gather on where every repeater in my county is, how they're powered, who has radios, what resources are available if I don't have any or the community doesn't have any and we're having a hard time communicating. Like, where are those resources? It's that kind of S2 or that kind of intelligence that you can start gathering at a local level. And I'm sure there's videos on on how to build um, emergency response plans, you know, for your local area that are aimed at preppers or aimed at, at uh, Minutemen or, you know what I mean? Like, that's how you actually gather that information on the ground. You're not going to find all of the... You're not going to find every cot available for a emergency sleeping area by searching on Google. Like you got to know people to know where that stuff is or all of the meat, heater meals and MREs in the county. Where are they stored in case nobody right. else knows? Like that, the way you find out that information is getting out and getting to know people and participating. That's how I'll you put- know. I'll put it a really good way for some people to understand, right? Like the, when we say the possibilities are endless, I'm not advising you to do anything illegal or anything like that, but like just having these tools in your toolkit, because what happens if the worst case scenario goes down? Odds are it won't. Odds are it'll be something Mm -hmm. more likely. But if that happens, right? Uh, like when I was, um, deployed and I think this was, this was long enough ago, the statute of limitations. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, when you're on a large base, if you're operating in and out of a large base, you know, I don't feel like walking everywhere. So maybe I really want to have a vehicle or a Humvee, even though I'm just right. some lower enlisted. Maybe I could spray. Maybe I know where all the Humvees are and right. I happen to spray paint a number different mm-hmm. than what they normally have it as. Right. And right. I get my own padlock because no one thinks just to bring mm-hmm. your own lock, cut a lock, put your own on there, change the numbers. And then you got your own personal taxi, your Uber. It's your yep. own Uber, right? How right. did they get that? I'm I'm on a detail. Quit asking me questions, as you were, right? That right. sort of stuff. So if you have right. people who don't know that, oh, the Humvees are over here, all you have to do is have access to them or know, hey, maybe uh, they're guarded this time or the people that guarded are off doing this. All it takes is being in the right place or knowing one more thing than the next guy mm-hmm. to be able to be right. – able to take actionable uh, or, or timely maneuvers or, or whatever you want to call it, right? Like just having a little bit more information about some logistics and how the machine moves will put you in a better spot than most people. Mm-hmm. And that's, we're talking survivability, right? You have to put right. yourself in the best spot possible at all right. times if shit hits Absolutely. the fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you'll you'll learn crazy information like where is the water treatment plant, and how is their backup power work? Yes. And 
like things like that that a lot of preppers want to store water and i encourage that like yes do all that stuff for you and your family absolutely but okay so you've helped you and your family who's the next people to help bunkering down is rarely going to make the situation better in my experience now it, it could be that in some particular locality in some particular circumstance you you want to hard point your house and not leave okay but the likelihood of that versus the likelihood of your your little you know chicken fried steak alabama county is and i don't say that pejoratively but like your tiny county or your tiny city is going to need help and aren't you going to feel like an asshole in a year if everybody in the community pitched in except you yeah people will remember that Oh yeah, absolutely. They will remember that, and I can tell you for a fact that they do. <laughs> yeah, I can when, tell you for a fact. when people's kids are starving and they remember mm-hmm. you didn't come and help when mm-hmm. every other neighbor did. Mm-hmm. That's not something you need to deal with, and not for a multitude exactly. of reasons. But like, don't put yourself right. there. Be the guy that says we can help him anyway. Be that. Mm-hmm. Be the one in an authority. I don't say authority as in like you you uh, are over people, but like mm-hmm. have such respect commanded based on your actions, the things you've done in advance mm-hmm. that y- you can help. I don't want to say pardon, but like be the guy that can offer somebody the food, even if they fuck up. Mm-hmm. Don't be the guy right. begging for food. Cause you fucked up. Right. Right. Exactly. And here's, here's something that it doesn't bother me, but it's something that preppers aren't looking deep enough into generally in my experience. <sighs> Yes, you need to be able to feed your family for a fairly significant amount of time. I think that's just being a good family man, frankly. But also, there's there's more to it than that. Like, who else can I help? And can I, you know, I've bought $1,000 of jasmine rice and put it away. Did I buy $50 of of honey and oats breakfast bars? and that I can pass out or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Be thinking that way. In my opinion, it's not all about you. It's about your family and the community. It's a, it's a gold plated asshole that is willing to dig a trench around their house and let everybody else starve when they have the ability to help them, not feed them, but help them. And food's going to be huge. Just like and the yeah. amount of motivation people get from food, right? Mm-hmm. You're out, oh, you've yeah. been out there a long day, everyone's struggling and you have snacks mm-hmm. or you say, right. Hey, I've got cold water or I've got such mm-hmm. and such that can right. make or break people's motivation. Right. So mm-hmm. being able to just be that right. asset because you put, right. instead of putting this amount for, you know, for guns this month, maybe, mm-hmm. You put a little bit more in the food jar or somewhere else, right, to diversify mm-hmm. your preparations. Just that right. little simple thing now, potentially, I mean, I can't guarantee it, mm-hmm. could help you leap sentence. Yeah, absolutely. And it may not, but it probably will. <laughs> Shit, right? Like, it's all, yeah. give it out if you yeah. really don't want to, but having more is only going to help you most right. of the time. Exactly. And you're going to make decisions based on the circumstances in front of you if you're not an asshole like, or, or an idiot, you're going to make decisions based on what's actually occurring on the ground where you're at, not what, you know, the TikTok's telling you. And again, even understanding 
what truly is happening on the ground is why we mm-hmm. kind of set this up the way we did. You have to have these networking uh, right. nodes set up in advance. You have to have contingencies. Mm-hmm. Do I have a radio? Cool. What if there are no radios? Do I know my neighbor? Do I know mm-hmm. the local National Guard people or the local politicians or local sheriff? Mm-hmm. Um, who, what is going to happen if the power turns off? Can I still get water? Do, am I still right. going to be able to keep my family alive um, to help other people? Or am I in such a precarious spot that I'm going to have to flee yeah. immediately because I'm going to be overwhelmed by Robinites. Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it goes to the the intel analysis that I can't. Somebody did an excellent video on that, and I can't remember who it was now. It was several years ago on how to form a, a realistic intelligence assessment of where you actually live, like the people and and the geography and the likelihood of of large incidents and it wasn't bear whole, independent was it it might have been there i it think i remember him talking about site surveys and stuff yeah it might have been him i'm not i'm not positive but th- that information's out there i guess is what i'm saying if you, if you look for it and if you want to get super formal if you're a, a dentist and you 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 process things very logically then do it that way if you're like me and you just what happens if I can't get water out of my tap? Where does it come from? And can I go get it if I need to? Like, where's that water coming? And how is it treated? Is it treated at all? I don't know the number, but it's in the double digits of the public water that goes to your house that's not treated at all because it doesn't need to be. There, there's some percentage of homes that are that way. So even if there's no delivery of chemicals and power to run pumps, you could still get fresh water from a known source. Identifying that kind of information is is important, I think. And that just goes another uh, check in the box for being a volunteer firefighter. You will have to know Mm -hmm. how the water gets Mm -hmm. to your location. You'll know where it comes from, how powerful it is, right? How how much it takes to deplete it, all that stuff. Right, right. Right. And you'll be taught that you won't have to ask. <laughs> yeah. That's not even something. You, yeah. You're literally you can forget about it. They'll still teach you. Yeah. It's going right. to be written exactly. somewhere in the truck. Mm-hmm. Or if you if you're reserved for a, if you're super into the tactical stuff, that's awesome. Go be a reserve for the sheriff's office. Like, you know what I mean? In most states, you can just go be a reserve and. Here's a secret. If they don't let you carry a gun yet, it doesn't matter. Shut your ego off. Ego is the number one killer of people in disasters in my experience. But, like, just learn and build your network, gain trust, earn trust, and then maybe they'll let you carry a gun, little buddy. It'll be all right. But all the information you get in the meantime is, is critical. I mean, the, fa- the one of the most fast-track ways I can think of, if you don't even want to become a cop and carry a gun, mm-hmm. go volunteer as a fireman, get mm-hmm. your EMT yep. for free, get your yep. paramedic for free, go work part-time mm-hmm. at a local EMS agency and volunteer to become a yep. TAC medic. Yep. You won't Absolutely. have to pay for any of your training, and you can do it as a part-time yep. weekend gig if you want to. Mm-hmm. And you'll meet some decent dudes, and you'll get to know which cops can't be trusted. Because I know it's a secret. We're not supposed to say it as cops, but there are cops you can't trust. There's and people in every aspect of life that you can't trust. Yeah. So I think it just absolutely. gets jumbled into the mix. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
But I mean, those kinds of, of aha moments with actual people is, is critical, but that's right. Awesome. I think we covered a lot there. That was good, dude. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on? No, not really. I'm just kind of rambling, but I, I think it's important. And the more I, the more I watch what's going on in the community in the, in the preparedness community and the Minuteman community, I I'm seeing a pretty good level of preparedness on the individual level with people and not just on YouTube, but like people I know in person who are taking it seriously and becoming involved. And I think it's time for a lot of those folks to start thinking about the next layer of the cake. Like I've developed my skills and I've learned some techniques and I've learned, I've developed some procedures. Now the next level is what capabilities do I need to possess that will help not only protect myself, but help the people I'm, I'm around. If that yep. makes sense, like start identifying those things. And it, like you, you said a couple months ago in a video, it, it's going to be completely different for every person that's listening. For some people, it's going to be their ability to cook. For some people, it's going to be their ability to run a radio. For some people, it's going to be a strong back and knowing how to work a shovel. And for some people, it's going to be their ability to do math. Like it, it we don't know. So pick something that you think you may be useful for in an emergency and, and start getting after it. I know I've seen maintaining your skills and all that to touch on the point you made. I've seen a lot of people and maybe it's because it's like, if you're looking for a new blue truck, you want to buy one, you see a bunch of blue Mm -hmm. trucks out on the highway, but I've seen a lot of people um, in my area that that I used to work with um, and Mm -hmm. just peers of mine that don't necessarily know anything about my YouTube channel and they're they're getting Mm semi-automatic rifles and ways to carry ammunition and they're they're asking me questions about it and I'm like hey this is new right like so maybe right. there is a little bit of um a shift in people's men- mentality of okay I need to be able to put this to work just having it for home defense is one thing but what is the true nature of the second amendment and I think right. people understand it now more than ever and hopefully we can mm-hmm. get to the point where it's like like we've said for the the whole point of this conversation yeah, the shooting part, understanding that is critical as a rifleman or a Minuteman or just in the militia right. as a general able-bodied American as the Constitution states. Mm-hmm. You, right. There's so much more that goes along with it than fighting mm-hmm. in a gunfight. Right. It's right. 95% other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's. I got sidetracked. I had something, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I get sidetracked all the time. <laughs> Squirrels are everywhere. Right, right. Dog man. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's a that's a great point. Like it, it really is. Like find something besides shooting. Keep up your shooting. Develop that skill. Do all that. It's critically important. And when it's important, it's really important. But and I mean, I teach firearms and tact, mostly tactics and instructor classes at this point. But like come to come to classes with people that that you think you can trust or that you may get something out of, um, absolutely do that stuff, but have other skills. Don't be a one trick pony. Like it, I'm, I'm a gunfighter at heart, but in the middle of a forest fire, I don't give a shit what your split time is on a build drill. I don't care. Like, I don't care if you have a gun. Can you, do you know how to stand a tent up by 
having never touched it before? Like, can you look at something and figure out how it works? That's the critical stuff in that kind of situation. That's right. So. Well, hell yeah, man. Awesome. I think we're in agreement, sir. Hey, we agreed about something. Hey. Imagine that. <laughs> hey. So, right. yeah, if, if folks want to get a hold of me, they do enough work, they can figure it out. I'm, I'm not into the tactical famous world anymore on purpose. So if, if people have questions or whatever, they'll figure out how to get a hold of me. Oh, it's all good, man. And especially if you guys are looking for night vision, uh, check out Nightline. And Chappie yeah. here is an author, so be sure to search uh, for him wherever books are sold. Yeah, there may be a or may not be a book about some a very similar type incident. Yeah, I may or may not so. be almost done with that because I'm a slow reader. <laughs> I have yeah. to use my finger as I go across the pages. Right. Yeah. That in that series, I I owe a lot of my friends a, another book. I'm I'm working on it. Thank you. So, right. Cool, man. Well, with that... I appreciate you more than you know. No, I appreciate you, dude. With that, uh, FJB. FJB, indeed.